The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 247. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. The draft has come and gone. We've met the rookies. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about the NFC East and the drafts that the Cowboys, Commanders, and Giants had uh, over draft weekend. But first, Brandon, how are you? And secondly, uh, where can I find the most delicious meat snacks in the land? Well, it's not what Cam Jurgens is promoting, that's for sure. It's righteous <laughs> felon craft yeah. jerky. Competition. <laughs> Unexpected competition. That's actually I'm waiting for someone to uh accuse me of that's the reason why we're actually or me especially against like the Cam Jurgens pick here. Like we have an issue with it. <laughs> we have beef with it. It's like low key. That's funny. I hadn't thought of that. Uh that's neither had I, because it's not a thing. But uh but Righteous now... Felon should partner up with Cam. Hmm. They should. They should. Uh, they Join should find a, something there. But until then, you can go to righteousfelon.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Same discount code works at wildnaturepet.com for 15% off dog treats. You can use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy, doing well. Happy Mother's Day to your mom. Happy Mother's Day to my mom who's listening to this. I am sure. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. The world would be a much worse place, I can confidently say, without moms. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I'll co-sign on that one. Yeah, better place definitely with moms out there. All right. Uh, the Eagles have uh, basically to rebuild their scouting department. Uh, we don't often talk about the scouting department because it's boring and there's some mystery <laughs> there. And, you know, we don't know what we're talking about sometimes with uh, what goes on in the scouting department. But uh, the bottom line is the Eagles have lost you know, some you know, bigger names over the last few years. Joe Douglas and Andrew Barry, of course, became the general managers of the Jets and Browns, respectively. Um, they've lost this offseason. Uh, Catherine Raich, Ian Cunningham, Brandon Brown, uh, Tom Donahoe is out. Casey Weidel is out. TJ McCrate, Sean Heinlein, Evan Pritt. All these names may or may not mean anything to you. Uh, but these are all guys that are no longer going to be guys and gals that are no longer going to be uh, with the Eagles uh, organization, Andy Weidel, who is sort of the personnel head, um, 
uh, sort of like the right-hand man to Howie Roseman. He could be next, potentially. Uh, it's been rumored that he could land the Steelers uh, general manager job. So the Eagles have a lot of work to do in terms of uh, rebuilding uh, their scouting department. Uh, they have reportedly interviewed Jim Nagy, who you may know from Twitter if you're on Twitter. He is the director of the Senior Bowl. Um, so he's pretty active on Twitter promoting the players that compete at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Brandon Hunt is another guy that they've reportedly interviewed. My apologies. I don't know who reported all this stuff. I know Jeff McLean had some of this. Uh, Jeff Mosher, I think, had some of this. So I uh, don't know who had what. But uh, Brandon Hunt is another guy that they've interviewed in the past. Uh, was getting some GM potential love uh, a few years back. So uh, he could be an addition at some point. My understanding is that the internal guys who could be moving up within the Eagles organization are Alan Walking, Phil Baia, Ryan Myers, and then uh, Amina Soliman. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is um, She is uh, considered by the organization to be a quote-unquote rising star within the organization. So we could see those um, you know, four people move up uh, in the organization. Does that mean anything at all to you guys? No idea, but the bottom line is that, uh, you know, these are the guys that, that do all the scouting for both, you know, college recruits coming out, uh, scouting around the NFL. And if you don't have a strong scouting department, it can show up in bad free agent uh, acquisitions and in bad drafts. So it's important that, uh, you know, the Eagles find, you know, good personnel to replace all these people. Yeah, so a couple notes here. First of all, the timing makes sense that these moves are happening. For those who are maybe wondering about that, because this is the time of year mm -hmm. where yeah. GM is after the draft is where all the, you know, the front office movement kind of happens for the most part. Um, obviously, there can be some after the season as well, if there's a new GM or whatever. Um, so that's not shocking. But what is a little bit surprising, I guess, to people and to us is that they're having like a couple of years of relatively stronger drafts. And it's like everyone, some people are leaving. It's not just some people are getting hired away. That makes sense. But some people like Casey Widell, like got fired. And that also is a weird thing to reconcile with his older brother being the vice president <laughs> yes. of player personnel. And it's like, right. well, is this a sign that Andy Widell is definitely headed to Pittsburgh to be the Steelers GM? Um, so that's something I'm thinking about. Close with Tom Donahoe too, uh, Andy Widell. Yes. Who Tom Donahoe contract expired and is not re-upping with the Eagles and is leaving and i think i think jimmy you probably turned me on to this like years ago like tom donahoe probably has more influence with the eagles or at least in the past too especially when like um they switched over back from chip to howie and the front office didn't even have a lot of people at that time because they'd mm -hmm. gotten rid of a lot of guys and they were kind of understaffed and even if you just look at the eagles scouting department listed on their website the name right under andy Wydell at the top of that department so in the second spot is Tom Donahoe. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he's kind of had a bigger role than people maybe realize behind the scenes there and influence. So I think that's like a significant loss. Um, there's obviously that incident last year. It infamously where... <laughs> refused Howie's fist bump. Yes. Or reluctantly. <laughs> After the Milton kinda... Williams pick. Yeah, he reluctantly like gave in and and it was a weird moment on TV. And at the time last year, Jeff McLean had reported that Tom Donahoe, Tom Donahoe had grown increasingly despondent about the Eagles personnel decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think there was some thought there that, you know, the rise of like analytics in the Eagles front office had kind of uh, maybe contributed to that. So that's something to note. 
I but to contextualize all these absences, Jimmy, I wanted to go back to that quote that we kind of uh, have brought up before, maybe made fun of from Jeffrey Lurie at the uh, end of the 2020 season, mm-hmm. early 2021 press conference in January, where he talked about having five people in the organization that he could project would be general managers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had he had mentioned at the time John Dorsey and Jeremiah Washburn at first. Um but then he went on to say that we have a real strong nucleus with Andy Widell, Ian Cunningham, Catherine Raish, Brandon Brown, and went on to talk about like one of the jobs of the general manager is to track really good people and executives around them because it's not just meant for one person. So all those people are gone except Andy Widell, who might also be gone. So right. like, you know, when the when the owner of the team is saying like that's your your core nucleus and all those people are gone. That doesn't mean to me that you're doomed necessarily because that you demonstrated that you could hire worthwhile people is obviously a good sign. And maybe with these openings that the Eagles have, they will be able to get some good candidates in addition to maybe promoting from within. But like, it means also to me that there are significant losses. Yeah, I mean, and I think there's a debate now uh, for people that care about the scouting department anyway. You know, are they losing guys because they're unhappy in Philadelphia or are the Eagles just doing a good job, um, you know, training um, and, you know, grooming these people and they move on to better opportunities elsewhere because they've, they're attractive to other teams around the league. I think it's more the latter than, uh, than the former in that I I do think the Eagles have done a good job sort of, um, you know, building up their scouting department and uh, teams poaching them. I, I think that's, I think it's pretty clear that that's kind of, the the greater possibility here because these people are moving up to better jobs with right. uh, with other organizations it's not like they're they're making lateral moves or anything like that um we haven't I'm, well i mean we'll see kind of like what happens on the fallout after this like are, are there like weird stories that come out mm-hmm. because they start talking to people uh after they're no longer with the organization and that kind of stuff uh can happen uh but yeah it's it's uh you know i think it's a concerning uh, aspect of this off season that they're now going to have to replace all these names. I hadn't, I hadn't known that. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that Jeffrey Lurie had named <laughs> the the vast majority of the people that that uh, mm-hmm. that you just said there during his press. And he he sort of leaned on that during that press conference because it was during a time when he was getting peppered with questions about uh, Howie Roseman's performance, and that was the best sort of the best he could do in terms of um, uh, you know backing Howie at the time. Um, so. But it was, but because he that's all he had to lean on, we did sort of get some insight into you know who they like within the organization uh, in their scouting department. But um, yeah, they're, they're going to have to replace those guys, as I mentioned um, up front. The guys that they think can can move up are Alan Walking, Phil Baya, Ryan Myers, and and as I mentioned, the quote unquote rising star uh, Amina Soliman. So um, yeah, I mean we'll see we'll see like what hires they make over the off season, and uh, I think a lot of times when they do make scouting department hires, it really doesn't mean anything to anyone until uh, I mean it, it may never mean anything to, to to the you know the the common fan or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, it is an important aspect of the team and, and sort of an under discussed and uh, like I said uh, at the opening, sort of a mysterious uh, part of, of of any organization in the NFL really. I think at the very least people, you know, have a care for who the, the VP of player personnel is sure. in terms of like, you know, Joe, Joe, everyone cared about Joe Douglas and was right. kind of wondering Andy. how, yeah, the Eagles would be impacted by losing him. And then I think people are now saying 
I've seen like uh, my good friend Jack Fritz. I was talking to him on WIP last week, and he was like concerned about Andy Wydell leaving after the Eagles have had some good drafts. So you know that's mm-hmm. something to monitor, and not only because of um, him potentially getting the Steelers GM job, but these other candidates that the Eagles uh, have been interviewing, like you mentioned, Jim Nagy. Uh, Morocco Brown and Ron Carthon have also come up. Uh, mm-hmm. and those are from Mosher, apparently like on the Eagles radar. A lot of these people are also interviewing for that or have interviewed for that Steelers GM job. Um, I think um, Marco Brown, I believe, also got interest. Someone else got interest here from the from the Raiders GM job when they had the opening earlier this year. So, you know, these seem like some legitimate candidates that they're talking to. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, it's interesting yeah. how big the scouting department operation really is. We've sure. rattled off a lot of names and we haven't even got to half the people that are actually still on board. So yeah. like, it really is sort of a, 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 a big, like a large group of like their scouting department is bigger than Philly voice, for example, in terms of like the number <laughs> of employees. So like, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's how a pretty, many, it's a pretty, what's that? How many Eagles executives does it take to make a draft pick? You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. They, they make far, far fewer draft picks than they have people in the scouting department, which is kind of interesting. So let's move on to Mm -hmm. player news. Uh, We sort of knew that Nate Herbig was going to be moving on. It was reported that the Eagles were going to release him, and then they finally did. Uh, What was that, on Friday, Thursday? doesn't matter. Monday Um, is when the news came out, um, but then they didn't officially cut him until Wednesday. It seemed like they were kind of holding out hope someone might come in at the 11th hour, I guess, and offer them anything for him. Brandon previously had uh, <laughs> not been happy that Nate Herbig was going to make a whopping $2.4 million on his restricted free agent tender. And, and I was he right. wanted to see some of uh, the other Eagles offensive linemen uh, move up the ranks instead of paying Nate uh, a semi-premium uh, price to, to stick with the team. Uh, the Eagles tried to trade Nate Herbig. They didn't find any takers. Uh, they released him, of course, and he was picked up on waivers, unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. by the aforementioned Joe Douglas and the New York Jets. Uh, so good for Nate. He'll get a, uh, an opportunity there. To I mean, Nate Herbig has played an absurd number of snaps for a guy who's really kind of been like a third stringer the last few years. He's played... Off the top of my head, I want to say like 1,400 or 1,500 snaps. I think it's like the third most snaps of any Eagles offensive lineman on the team over the last two years. 17 So they've starts. needed him. What's that? Yeah. 17 starts in 33 games. He he has you know, left-right guard versatility. The Eagles have tried to bring him along as a center, but whenever he's had to play, fill in for Jason Kelsey there, it's not gone well. I don't think he's a legit NFL center. Uh, but he does bring some left-right guard versatility. Um, so, yeah, he'll probably have a decent long career in the NFL, uh, even mm. if he's never anything more than just a backup guard. <laughs> because so many teams are starved for offensive line depth and talent and whatever. Uh, that that's the kind of guy that just sticks in the league forever. So uh, good luck to Nate. Uh, always like Nate. Still very young. What is he, only 23 years old still? Yeah, he turns 24 in July. 24, okay, in July. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, uh, he came out really early, uh, out of college and, uh, didn't get drafted, but yeah, a nice, decent little short career, uh, with the Eagles here. Let's get to the state of the Eagles offensive line, which. Well, I can't talk about opinion... Nate Herbig. You're not going to let me talk about him. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> You're not Go right ahead. Me my, my bad. Talk about how I, 
I am justified for it didn't make sense to give him that much when they had all these bodies. It's 2.4 million. I mean, obviously it wasn't guaranteed and the Eagles were able to, and that's the good news. And I guess it does seem weird, you know, the whole process of it to tender him at 2.4 million. And then he signed his tender literally one week before they cut him. So it's just kind of a strange process. Obviously, I think non-guaranteed. So they don't take a cap hit on that. So I think the Eagles clearly had a sense that, or at least in their minds, that they would be able to trade him or would have a, some kind of chance of doing yeah. it. And then I think it's didn't reasonable to, to to tender him to at least get, you know maybe get a a late day three pick for him. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a weird process, but. Because it's like, hey, we value you. Actually, no, you're, you're no, making too much money now. Um, uh, but you know, he wanted out. I'm sure too, because I'm sure he he and his camp were looking yeah. at the depth chart and being like, you know, there just isn't as much opportunity here <laughs> right. for us, especially after the Cam Jurgens pick. Um, so it's fine. It's just a little weird. It's not the. I would say it's not the best thing for the 2022 Eagles. Like, obviously, I think having Herbig here make they're, like they're a better team with him. Uh, than without him, although it doesn't make the biggest difference in the world to me. And again, I think why not look at what Coyote Awashika maybe can give you and try to invest Suo a little Opeta. bit more in Sue Opeta and like invest in some of these other guys here. Um, if you didn't really believe in Herbig as a long term piece anyway, which they seemingly like super didn't because I mean, he wasn't even going to be the bet- top backup this year, like at, at guard because Jack Driscoll is probably that right. guy. And Jurgens is now here, and he's in the mix. So it's just it didn't make sense to to me to have the 18th cap highest cap hit on the team be a guy who isn't even like your top interior backup offensive lineman. Maybe so, they keep him if they didn't dra- like if Jurgens got taken before the Eagles picked at 51, maybe or, or 53 or whatever it was. Um, you know, maybe maybe they would have kept him. If, but maybe uh, he also doesn't want out. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so I, I'm fine with with the way that all kind of unfolded. It's fine. Um, it's a little when, weird, but fine. When you look at the Eagles offensive line, and I was just doing I was just writing my you know, too early fifty-three man roster projection. Spoiler alert, that'll be for Monday to our readers. Um their offensive line is freaking loaded. Like it is it is crazy talented both uh in the starting lineup and then their depth is you know, I I put their depth up against any other team in the league as well. I mean, from left to right, it's my they first of all, we should note that they they have confirmed that Landon Dickerson will stay at left guard. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to move to right guard personally um, with Isaac Samuel just sliding back into his old spot at left guard. But I like them keeping him uh, next to my lot of there and just having those two guys be a steamrolling, road grading, just mashing uh, tandem over there on the left side. Like that a lot with uh, you know the 360, whatever he is, pound my uh, 340, 335, whatever he is, Landon Dickerson, just crushing guys over there. I like that, the idea of that. And then, of course, Jason Kelsey's still an outstanding uh, run blocker at center. Uh, I assume Isaac Sayawalo is going to be the right guard, starting mm. right guard. Uh, who knows? I mean, maybe they are concerned about his ability to stay healthy. Don't know. But then, of course, Lane Johnson, uh, all pro season in 2021, back at right tackle. Just a fantastic offensive line. Don't think there's a better one in the league. What do you think? If I'm not mistaken, during the post-draft press conference, Nick Sirianni was kind of asked about the right guard spot Mm -hmm. uh, in the aftermath of Dickerson being talked about as the left guard. And he didn't exactly say, like, Isaac Sumalo is the right guard. 
He right. Like exactly. Just say he's definitely, I think he mentioned like Jack Driscoll could be maybe in the mix there. So, mm-hmm. you know, that'll be a thing to Wouldn't watch. be surprising. You know, I'm sure Samal will get like the first crack at it, whatever. And we'll see if they rotate those reps at all uh, in off season practices, something to monitor either way though. Um, and obviously there's, there's people here who really like Samalo like in the building. And I think Stoutland has seemingly liked him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelsey um, has spoken very highly of Samalo in the past. And obviously he has influence in offensive line decisions. Um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a stacked unit. I do think Andre Dillard should be traded still. The idea Agreed. that like you just keep him because you might get a comp pick for him is silly to me because there's no guarantee that that's going to be the case in terms of the comp pick formula and the Eagles being in a position where they're going to lose more players than they definitely add. So that's not a guarantee. And even if you do, you're getting it a couple years down the line and he can only play left tackle. <laughs> and like you have uh, Raven Clark, who again, this, I, I can't, can, I think Andre Dillard probably yes, better than the Raven Clark, but how big is the drop off? And I would rather just have the pick, whatever you can get for him. Again, I'm not selling Andre Dillard <clears> for peanuts. If you're all you're getting for some reason is like a six for him, then just keep him. Sure. But if you're getting like fourth round pick, definitely a third round. I pick. would hold out for a while. Okay. On him. But so you, if somebody, if somebody offers me a, a day, a day two pick in 2023 or even 2024, sold like fine, done. Like I'll take, I'll take a three in 2023 or 2024 in a heartbeat. If it's a four, I might wait a little bit. Because you're going to have... Let's say the deadline is here. The trade deadline is here. And all you're getting is a four. I'll take it then. At that point, you know, it's either you you take the four or you lose them. And I think also how how your season is going uh, at that point factors in. Like if you're, I don't know, eight and three... Then you're not going to trade like you're not going to trade him and have like he's just you know you sustain an injury and then Raven Clark comes in and he stinks and like mm-hmm. that that blows up your season like you don't want to do that but if they're like you know five and six or something like that yeah I'm trading him for a four all day so like you said you don't just give him away for peanuts but mm-hmm. uh, I, I do agree that and he's certainly on the trade block there's no question about that that they're that they're looking to move him, but they're going to, you know, want something decent in return. Cause I believe he is a starting caliber uh, left tackle. I mean, not high end, probably like, you know, a guy that you're ultimately probably, you know, you might need to replace if you're a team uh, trading for him in the near future. If he doesn't pan out, maybe he does pan out for you. So like uh, I, I can see the value uh, of, of another team trading for him. Uh, otherwise, on the offensive line, uh, in terms of backups, I think we should note that they said, uh, Nick Sirianni said that um, Cam Jurgens can play guard as well. Based on? Right. Uh, so he's 6'3", 303, which isn't that different from what Isaac Sayamalo is. He's 6'4", 303. So he's an inch taller and the same weight. Um, so can it be done? Sure. Of course, Isaac Sayamalo played guard and tackle in college. Landon Dickerson played uh, guard and tackle in college. So they both came with positional versatility out of the box, uh, out of college. Those guys were in a better position to play guard than a guy like um, Cam Jurgens would be. Can he do it? Yeah, he can. But is it like, does he have the ideal stature or... Um, uh, experience playing guard? No, like certainly he doesn't. 
And the thing I'll note on Sayamalu, by the way, is he got killed early in his career playing guard. Like, he could not anchor. And he was, yeah. I mean, he got benched the year they won the Super Bowl. That was his second year in the league. Didn't, you know, it was just okay, like, in spot duty his rookie year. Like, they didn't, he wasn't a starter the whole year. Um, came into 2017, was the start of the first two weeks, got benched after just an atrocious game against the Chiefs. And Wiz was the starting left guard for you know, the entirety of that championship season. Uh, didn't really become a, a regular until 2018. So the idea and then that... still had a disaster game in 2019 when he went up against Trady. <laughs> against Trady the Falcons, Jarrett. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he... Uh, you know, pointing to him is sort of like, um, you know, you can, he can do it because Isaac Sayamala did it. Well, yeah, Isaac Sayamala did it, but it took him like three or four years to become a decent starter in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not totally buying that he'll be, uh, I mean, he could play guard as an emergency player maybe, but sure. I don't buy that they have, um, you know, aspirations of, of him starting or being like the first guy off the bench uh, at guard this season for them. Let's mention a couple of the developmental names that I'm intrigued by. I already mentioned a coyote, Awushika. Interested to mm-hmm. see what he has. The Eagles really were moving them all over uh, the offensive line in training camp, in yeah. preseason games last year. So want to see if he can maybe settle at a spot and show something. Um, uh, they obviously added three undrafted rookie free agents in William Dunkel, Jared Williams, and Josh Sills. I saw Sills get getting some love, I believe, from uh, Brandon Thorne, who's like the offensive okay. line guru on Twitter and elsewhere. For those who don't know, um, so that could be you know a spot he seems to, watch. to be the highest rated of, of those three guys, right? Uh, more of like a guard only. Like really, I was reading his scouting report. Gets a lot of uh, love as a run blocker. Like really good mm-hmm. in that regard. So maybe it could be a good fit here. If this team is running the ball a lot again. Right. Brett Toth will be kind of interesting to monitor as he recovers from the injury he suffered, unfortunately for him, in the regular season finale. It was weird because he started at center, if I'm not mistaken, in that game. So the Eagles have really moved him around a lot as well. I don't think that's where the because he, he's like bigger for a center. I think ideally they've kind of he's, he's really been more of a tackle guard in the past. So we'll see how all of that shakes out. My point there is like I think there's enough to believe that something might like it's kind of like the approach the Eagles have taken at cornerback where they're just putting a bunch of uh, like pieces young guys and kind of throwing that at the wall and hope something sticks there, especially having a, you know, cornerback or sorry, an offensive line coach um, who can get something out of those guys. And it's different from cornerback in that they're obviously they're established as starters uh, ahead of them, but uh, interesting nonetheless to look at the, some of the, it's like one of the positions on the roster where there's some legitimate developmental talent long-term that uh, I think is interesting as opposed to, you know, a position like wide receiver where you don't have that or some other positions where you don't really have that long-term potential. Yeah. They're throwing a lot of stuff against the wall to be O-line nine or 10, whereas a mm-hmm. corner they're throwing stuff against the wall yeah. in the hopes that somebody's going to be CB2. <laughs> so uh, we should probably, let's, let's tackle that real quick too. We don't have it on the show sheet, but cornerback too. Um, there's actually a lot of decent names, not decent names, but like, um, you, you know, a lot of names people know that are available at the cornerback position. But they're still on the open market. And then there's uh, James Bradbury, who the Giants could be soon releasing. Uh, they tried to trade him this offseason. They have not found any takers. Their GM, Joe Shane, who we're going to get to when we talk about the Giants draft in segment two, um, has been surprised uh, openly that uh, they have not found any takers for James Bradbury. I think teams are willing to just wait the Giants out, uh, wait for them to cut him. It's clear that they're not going to have him on their roster this year. 
uh, and they can get them without having to give up a draft pick. And they can probably get them at a cheaper rate at this point because a lot of teams have already solved their cornerback issues, whether that be in free agency or in the draft. So James Bradbury, unfortunately for him, which kind of sucks for players when this happens this way, um, he's not going to capitalize on his free agency when he eventually is uh, released by the Giants. You think the Eagles should have interest, will have interest in uh, James Bradbury? The right price. I think he's going to have a, a decent market. So I think there are other teams, just than the Eagles, that are going to be looking for some cornerback help. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to be backing up the Brinks truck to you know overpay for him by any means, especially... Um, you know, if teams really wanted him really badly, they would trade anything for him and take him on. Um, so I think they're they're not going to be desperate about it. I know people probably want them to be because of the hole at cornerback two on the Eagles roster, but I don't think they're going to really like you know make the the most aggressive and like pay this guy any kind of big time money. So uh, if they can kind of wait him out, and it's not exactly like a Steven Nelson situation because he only signed for what like two million last year. I think Bradbury would get more than that you get more than that I, but, I think yeah but maybe like five million one year whatever six million at that point then sure yeah a one-year deal maybe something like that but uh i don't my point is i don't think they're like rushing to sign him the first like second he is cut like people might want them to what about you so i think it's an interesting uh his like when you look back at potential previous interest in him um well let's let's put it in terms of this off season so they had interest in Marcus Williams and Justin Reed at the safety position this year. Um, while they were trying to land Marcus Williams, the Chiefs signed Reed. So I wonder if there was a similar situation when Bradbury was a free agent along with Byron Jones. The Eagles were definitely in on Byron Jones, who eventually mm-hmm. signed a, an absurd deal, frankly, with uh, the Miami Dolphins. Um, but before that deal happened... The Giants swooped in and they got, you know, the number two or number three uh, cornerback option in free agency in Bradbury. So I don't know if the Eagles had interest in Bradbury along with Byron Jones and he just got signed before Byron Jones made his decision to go to Miami. Uh, but the Eagles may have had uh, previous interest in Bradbury during that free agency. Certainly they did their homework on him. Uh, and obviously he's been in the division, so they know all about him uh, having faced him the last couple of years. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that he is a, a legitimate option for this team, you know, if slash when he does get cut by the Giants. I do think. By the way, we should more. also mention uh, Tyran Matthew uh, in yeah. Eagles news or Eagles adjacent news. Uh, obviously, the Eagles had some level of interest early in April. It was reported he had a Zoom call with the Eagles. But Matthew has, of course, since signed with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he's originally from uh, New Orleans or New Orleans vicinity. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, he goes home to the saints. They overpaid for him. In my opinion, what do you get? Like three, three years, 33 million. And he's a big name. I get it. And he's certainly better than anything the Eagles have, uh, at safety and Anthony Harris or Marcus Epps. But I also believe that Tyron Matthew is a player who is substantially overrated by, um, a lot of people. Um, He's got some deficiencies in his game. He's not as fast as he used to be, uh, small. So uh, I think He's the Eagles may have dodged a bullet a little bit uh, by not pay- not dodged a bullet, but made the right decision not to pay uh, a guy like him, you know, eleven million per year. I, I threw in he's a loser in there since uh, <laughs> I think you might feel that way. Well, he, he's going to a team that 
So I, I think some Eagles fans were upset that he's also he also happens to be going to the team that sure. um, you know the Eagles have their first round pick next year. So uh, it's not it helps deal. them in the short term, the Saints. But I don't think that's really a needle moving um, you know signing by them, or or would it have been you know with the Eagles? If they, I mean, the, the Eagles would have gotten better if they signed them, but I don't think it was it, it you know it adds any wins to their to their win total this year. And with Bradbury, I mean, I, I do think there is something to the Eagles wanting to see what they have in their young guys. I don't think that's been total BS, like the, you know, the line that Nick Sirianni has talked and, and adding all these guys. I think at some level they do want to see, and maybe I don't know, you know, at some point maybe they see enough and they're like, okay, we need to add someone. But I feel like they want to see them in the offseason a little bit and see if they can, you know, do anything. And that's why you're going to have OTAs right. and seven on seven and you, you'll kind of get it get a chance to so I guess what I'm saying here is I'm not expecting them to add anyone anytime soon you know maybe before training camp maybe in training camp if things aren't going well but I think they want to give at least some practice time to these young guys to see okay is like Zach McPherson taking a leap is he actually showing any promise mm-hmm. just be kind of a bummer if he was and then all the while you'd sign like Xavier Rhodes to play over him and like that's again <laughs> right. that's not how you get yeah, younger. sitting on the bench and yeah. not getting experience so yeah, yeah. All right, why don't we take a break here, Jimmy? But before we do, I'll tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, BGN Radios, one of two sponsors that we have here that we supremely believe in. If you are looking for the highest quality meat snacks you can possibly have in your life, you can only get them by going to RighteousFelon.com, buying some Righteous Felon Craft Jerky for yourself by using the discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. I always break it down like this. You're buying some Righteous Felon Craft Jerky to make yourself happier because it's a good snack. You're buying it to help support the podcast and keep the lights on here. You're buying it to help support a local business, um, which our good friend Dan Klausner, who is an Eagles fan, works at. So, And you're also buying it to uh, be in synergy with the Eagles who have Righteous Felon Craft mm-hmm. Jerky at the Novacare Complex. So Really just big wins all around here. If you get it, discount code BGN15 at RightToSellin.com for 15% off your order. Again, the same discount code works at WildNaturePet.com. So you're like, okay, I don't eat meat or I don't want these snacks. Okay, but you probably have a dog and your dog wants some snacks. So you want to go to WildNaturePet.com and use BGN15 for 15% off dog snacks. Don't starve your dogs, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. We're (laughs) anti-dog starving on this podcast. I'm not afraid to say it after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, what's next? Well, let's go through the uh, the draft halls of the rest of the NFC East teams. I don't care. Where do you want to start? Giants, Eagles. Oh, not, not Eagles. Giants, Commanders, Cowboys. I want to start with a general overview because we talked about this on the mixtape with RJ, you know, for deeper dives. We'll kind of hit on these quicker a little bit here. To me, no NFC East team did the worst case scenario for the Eagles. They, it wasn't like, oh, this crap. Like, I hate this. This is the oh, worst okay, possible gotcha. thing they yeah. could have done. And this isn't just hindsight. So before the draft, Jimmy, uh, I did a podcast with RJ and Ed Valentine from Big Blue View. Mm-hmm. And then Brian Stabby from Hogs Haven, where we all talked about what we didn't want to see the other teams do the most. Okay. So we have it on the record. I like that. Get it on router. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, I like doing that each year. So... The, the things I said for Washington was I didn't want them to take Jamison Williams. I was terrified okay. of them getting him. I think if there's someone Carson Wentz might not be able to overthrow, it could be him. <laughs> uh, for the Giants, I really did not want them to get a first-round pick next year because if they did, that puts okay. them in a stronger position. to get I agree with that one too, by the way. Um, and then for the Cowboys, it was uh, – wait, what was it? What was it? I can't remember for the Cowboys. Well, they're the picking top. 24th, so it was hard to come up with a good – best case scenario or worst case scenario from an opposing team. I guess I just didn't want them to see them. Yeah. Like draft. I guess I didn't want to see, well, honestly, I'll put it like this. I didn't want Tyler Linderbaum. I didn't want him to go there because I thought he could be a nice player for them and be an mm-hmm. upgrade on Tyler Biotis, who uh, isn't your that favorite great. player of uh... yeah, <laughs> my favorite player. Um, Cause I had him in my mock draft a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. Hold so... on real quick. Who would you rather have right now? Tyler Biotis or. Jack Driscoll. Um, I mean, uh, it's tough because Driscoll gets hurt a lot. Um, I guess Driscoll just based on playing ability. Okay, because that's both... that. That was your beef back in that draft was that they took Driscoll. Yeah. Okay. Well, they took. I think they took. It wasn't well, necessarily that they out. took Driscoll instead of Biadish. It's that they traded with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. They traded back, and the Cowboys traded up, and they took Biadish. But the Eagles had taken Driscoll before Biadish. It was a favorite of yours. I think you had him in several Eagles-only mock drafts, if I recall correctly. Let me just remind you that trading with the Cowboys doesn't always work out the best for the Eagles. Uh, Kevin Cobb, Marcus Spears, right? Um, Not to say that Devontae Smith isn't working out, but that trade would help them get They traded back, and and the Cowboys took Sean Lee, I believe, one year or two. Uh, Yes, that's true, too. So, again, in the draft, it hasn't always worked out. Although it did land him Devontae Smith trading up with them yes but you get the cowboys micah parsons <laughs> which don't love that yeah, that's true. part yeah. of it but you're uh, happy with you're happy with Devontae. anyway Smith, of course uh yeah so anyway uh i mean clearly the cowboys reached for a player um who was not you know sending someone who was like oh uh, an amazing pick for them and even wasn't wasn't even the top player on their board at the pick because jerry jones showed his board and <laughs> once it's again amazing how often their their draft boards leak I mean, this one was not even, uh, you know, hard to wonder how it happened. He literally just he showed. <laughs> he showed. And his son was like, put that down. Show <laughs> them that. Doing? <laughs> uh, Jerry is a funny guy. He really is. Uh, so, right, yeah. so, who do, so who do you want to get to first? Okay. So that was the overview. Why don't we start with the Giants? Because I think everyone said they had a great draft. And I think there's real potential for their top two picks to be, you know, home runs. I mean, yeah, I, I like I was saying to RJ, I think you can make the case that in this year, especially when in a year where there aren't obvious quarterbacks at the top, 
Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau could both be like number one overall picks. A lot of people had them, I think, as the top two players on their board, depending where you look. The, the Cowboys so, did. Like, so when, when Jerry Jones showed right. that sheet, they were the top two players on his board. So, and I think that's reasonable. I don't think that's crazy at all. I think you can make the case for those guys. I do think Kayvon Thibodeau's red flags have been played down a little too much, and people are going like, oh, you can't believe that. That's just teams trying to knock him down, and they're making something out of nothing. I think there's enough there, and the fact that a lot of teams, including the Eagles, like wanted to have Thibodeau in for pre-draft visits to kind of – there are some question marks there. Maybe they don't end up being issues in the NFL, but like that's something that I – I think there's downside with him, whereas like with Neil, I don't really think there is. I think he's going to be a great player for them. So I'm kind of wondering how that goes, and especially the Giants. Like The Giants don't just get the automatic benefit of the doubt with that pick right, in their right. organization. So I'm kind of wondering about that. And I think the rest of their draft outside of day one is kind of curious. And uh, I think you're going to touch on that more. I was actually reading something this morning, Jimmy, that if you look at like, so PFF made a chart of like draft value based on you know like their boards and consensus okay. boards and things. And like, you know, so let's say the Eagles got N'Kobe Dean, like that would be good for their value because they, that's like kind of a steal. projected at like 20 something and they get them in 83 is what right. you're talking about. Right. And, yeah, okay. and you look at what the Giants did. And also, I saw this on Big Blue View. Um, Ed had mentioned that one of their draft guys had done like over 100 profiles on players, and they didn't take any of those players except Neil <laughs> and Thibodeau. And the the joke there was like, were we looking at the same board? But anyway, back to the PFF thing. The Giants had the worst value in the league Not surprising. when it came to that. So, uh, so I think they I think they crushed day one relatively for them at five and seven. Made some really good picks. Not an A plus draft for me for them because of that because they didn't get the feature first. I would have been much more concerned about that. Um, but I think they they did really good in round one and the rest of the draft kind of iffy. What about you? So um, yeah, the first two picks were great. Uh, Thibodeau is a good fit for them. He's just so explosive and speedy uh, at the snap, and he's going to be it's going to be a tough matchup for Jordan Mailata, who I think struggles a little bit with speed uh, more than power. Or if there's there is an area where there's some concern for Mailata, it's with speed. So that might be potentially a, a bad matchup for him down the line. Um, Neil is a good pick because he's got left right versatility. So the Eagle, the Giants previously drafted uh, Andrew Thomas. Uh, fourth overall, he's their left tackle. You don't have to move him around, you know, screw around with the offensive line. You just plug in Evan Neal at right tackle and, you know, you move forward. So um, the picks, great. You know, round of applause. Finally, they don't mess up picks in the first round. As we've seen in the past, they've made dumb choices in the first round, like when they, with really high picks. They took a running back, second overall, Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is awesome. Like, ridiculous talent. Got hurt playing running back. Totally unsurprising. It's been a you know a bad second overall pick, even though he's a great player, was when he came out. Uh, they missed on Andrew Thomas, in my opinion, at fourth overall. Like They could have had Tristan Wirfs, uh, who went to the Buccaneers at, at like pick 10, 11, whatever. Um, and I think also, uh, I mean, Mekhi Becton was looking like a better pick, maybe not so much anymore. And then who was the third, uh, who was the third guy that went in that? Was it Wills? Doesn't matter. Um, uh, at fourth overall, not the best pick. And then, of course, they, they took Daniel Jones at sixth overall. So certainly they outperformed, uh, you know, what they've done, what they did during the Gettleman years in terms of, you know, really high picks. And the other thing I think they did that was smart was I think offensive tackle was probably higher on their priority list than Kayvon Thibodeau. But they did the right thing because an offensive lineman had not been taken when they were on the board at 
five. So they knew they were going to get at least one of Iki Iquanu uh, or Evan Neal at pick seven when they came back around. So they wind up getting Thibodeau. Um, the Panthers take Iki Iquanu at six, and then they land uh, Evan Neal at seven. So I think, like you said, their your biggest fear for their draft was to trade out probably of pick seven, I would guess, and land a 2023 uh, first-round pick. But once they were able to get both of these two players, there's no need to trade out. Just take them, and then you know you have these two, um, you know, you know, potential blue chip players, one on each side uh, of you know your line, one offense, one defense. So I thought they did a great job, as you mentioned. Day two and day three, like <laughs> in my opinion, terrible. So they their draft has been widely praised. And really, all they did was just not mess it up in the first round. But they take Wandale Robinson, receiver from Kentucky, who I actually like. But they traded back twice. They So they originally held the 36th overall pick. They traded back from 36 to 38. They pick up, uh, I think, a fourth rounder. They trade back from 38 to 43. They picked up, uh, I think, another fourth rounder uh, or a late three, whatever. Um, the, the guys they passed on are as follows. Brees Hall, Jalen Petrie, Arnold Ebikidi, Kyler Gordon, Boye Mafe, Kenneth Walker, Andrew Booth. Uh, I'd have just taken one of those guys, you know. Even after they traded back from 36 to 38 and they still got a pick, at that point, go ahead and take one of those guys. Like, they're all much better prospects, in my opinion, than Robinson. They take a guy named Joshua Izudu just because I don't, I've never heard of him. Doesn't mean he's going to be a bad pick, but when they took him, the guys that were still on the board were Martin Emerson, Nicole Petit Frere, Chad Muma, Valus Jones, Abraham Lucas, Jelani Woods, Desmond Ritter, Christian Harris, Travis Jones, Bernard Ryman, a lot of really good prospects when they took that guy. And then uh, at pick 81, they take Cordell Flott, cornerback from LSU. The five picks thereafter, listen to these names. D'Angelo Malone, Nicobe Dean, DeMarvin Leal, Marcus Jones, Malik Willis. Like those are the five huge names in the third round that they passed over for Cordell Flott. Like that Cordell Flott pick has, you know, I mean, maybe not on the level of Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, but that pick has the potential to really bite them, especially because Joe Shane went on the record and said, well, there's a reason that Nicobe Dean is falling. <laughs> like he didn't have to say that. He got asked specifically. I think it was Jordan Renan who always asks great questions in these press conferences. He asked them about you know passing on uh, Nicobe Dean, and uh, it, just such an easy answer to just say, "Great kid, great player. Wish him the best of luck." But he added, "There's a reason he's falling." So if Nicobe Dean is good, like that quote, and and Cordell Flott isn't. That quote could really bite him in the ass down the line. But anyway, um, you know, they take a bunch of guys in, in on day three. We won't go through all those, but um, that I think were similarly, um, you know, overvalued by the Giants, at least um, in comparison to where a lot of these guys were rated by, you know, sort of, you know, uh, the, the general draft community. Maybe Joe Shane knows more than everyone else, and that remains to be seen. But I don't think he should be afforded the benefit of the doubt before we've actually, you know, sort of seen him do that. So that's sort of my take on the Giants draft. Great day one, didn't mess it up, low bar to clear on that, but days two and three, like very unimpressive. What's the grade? I gave him a B minus, hmm. which, wow. uh, 
because the the top two picks were great, but I really don't like at all what they did on day two and three. I gave an A minus, maybe too high. Did you? But okay. I think, well, I think the potential for those top two picks, you know, again, those could be really like big different, like foundational difference makers for them for a long time. And I think that is carries a lot of weight. Um, also had to give him credit for my guy, uh, Bellinger, the tight end from San okay. Diego state. <laughs> right. Uh, in my mock draft. Um, yeah, that was probably a little too high. I probably should maybe like B plus again. I'm just weighing those top two guys, but anyway, uh, we can move on to the Washington football team, Jimmy, who mm-hmm. very, I think you said this on Twitter, like a very meh draft to kind of spoil <laughs> yes. it. Um, by the way, I didn't notice um, uh, Lily in the background. And she's then, laying down. Yeah, I think she wants Jimmy's out, but she's, she's in stuck in here for the remainder of the podcast. Sorry, Lily. Uh, I just, to me, it's not that it was, you know, like, ha-ha, disastrous. It's just when you look at some of the decisions here, first of all, just take Damison Williams at number 11. Like, I think they <laughs> right. I think part of the reason they may not have taken him is because they're worried about you know, like win now and pressure and you're, they might be a little bit worried about his injury or whatever. Like mm-hmm. who cares? Like come on. Like he is clearly way better. If he has to miss a couple games, like live with that. I think he has the potential to be really good. And And if you, and if that is your thinking, just take Chris Olave. Sure. Well, he was there as well obviously. Um they traded down with the Saints. The trade down is fine. And what are the Saints doing? Um, <laughs> the the value. So I, I calculated this as a quick aside. The value of everything that the Saints gave up ultimately in you know the trade to get up to number eleven was the value mm-hmm. of the like basically more than the value actually the number two overall pick and the trade value chart. <laughs> is that right? Like, just okay. insane. Yeah. So um, the trade back, whatever. I think that's fine, but. You take Dotson, Jahan Dotson, who I guess some people think is being a little underrated, but like you can get Jahan Dotson at number 16, or you do what the Eagles did and trade 18 in a third round pick for AJ freaking Brown. And obviously I get you have to pay AJ Brown too, and that's a big deal. And obviously the Washington commanders are in a spot where they're still trying to figure out how to pay or if they want to pay Terry McLaurin. So maybe that wasn't mm-hmm. as realistic for them. But still, like it's about the value, and you're taking Jahan Dotson, and maybe again a little bit is mitigated that you're taking him there because you traded down. Um, but to me, it's just like, how can you possibly be excited about that as a Commanders fan when you could have had Jameis Williams, you could have maybe made a better offer to, to to get AJ Brown. Like I just I don't think that's good enough. The they needed absolutely needed a receiver because they had literally no one behind Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. So good for them on addressing a big position of need and trying to give Carson Wentz some hope and help there. Um, but really that just, I, if I'm a Washington fan, I just have a hard time like feeling jazzed about the draft just because of that alone. And I don't think anything else they did was particularly intriguing. Uh, what about you? So I think the one intriguing move is, I think they did do something intriguing, which is in the fifth round, they got Sam Howell, the quarterback from North Carolina. I'll get to that in a second, but just sort of uh, follow up what you were saying about, I, I love Jahan Dotson as a prospect, by the way. Like he was widely regarding regarded as having the best hands uh, of any of the receivers in this class. Ninety one catches, uh, eleven hundred eighty two yards, twelve touchdowns for Penn State uh, in his final season. There he's got speed, four four three. Uh, just didn't test all that great otherwise. Um, in like nine percentile and three cone, he's small. Uh, he's uh, I think five ten or five eleven. 
you know, sub 180 pounds. So to take a guy like that at 16, like, I don't think the value's there. And like what they got in return for moving back. So they, they had the, they had the 11th pick. They moved back to 16. So they, they went back five spots. They get the 98th pick, uh, which is, you know, end of the third round. And they got the 120th overall pick, which was in the fourth round. They took, I know they took Brian Robinson running back from Alabama with uh, that 98th pick. I know some people are unhappy with that choice because they already have uh, Antonio Gibson and they have JD McKissick. I think he's like a, a nice compliment to those guys, but yeah, I sort of agree with the, uh, the idea that maybe that's not the best use of resources in the third round. Um, maybe if he's a great player and they have a dominant run game with him and uh, Gibson and McKissick as sort of the third down guy, then, you know, nobody cares um, about, you know, draft resource allocation or whatever, but I do like him as a player. They took Phil uh, Fideri Math- Mathis in uh, the second round. Their dedication to drafting Alabama defensive linemen uh, can't be questioned. They, he now joins Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne as uh, former Alabama players now on their defensive line. Uh, 53 tackles, nine sacks in 2021 for Mathis. So whatever. It's a fine pick, I guess. Nothing exciting. Nothing egregiously bad there, which is sort of like the theme of their draft. It was nothing exciting, nothing egregiously bad. But the one exception, like in terms of intrigue, is the selection of Howell, who I don't know how the hell that guy fell to the fifth round. He was regarded as he stinks by some anyway, as like the number one quarterback uh, potentially in the 2022 draft heading into the 2022 season. So North Carolina is an interesting team to sort of look at uh, because they lost a bunch of players to the NFL draft last year and Javante Williams running back. Um, for the Broncos, Michael Carter, uh, another running back to the to the Jets. Uh, Deami Brown went to the went to the Commanders. Daz Newsom. So they lost like four like really good skill players. And how transformed his game from like I mean he had really good numbers uh, as a passer in 2020, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and then he became more of like a running quarterback. <laughs> oddly, in, in 2021. Ran 183 times for 828 yards, 11 touchdowns on the ground. Only had 181 rushing yards the previous two seasons combined. So, like, he totally changed his game to sort of fit what the, you know, what the what North Carolina was as an offense. He, he was commonly comped to Baker Mayfield, which is not when you, what you want to hear if you're taking a quarterback, like, in the first round. But a guy that you're getting in around five, like, I think that was a great value pick for them. However, in a weird way, it's like a scenario where it's like, okay, well, they made a good quarterback pick in the fifth round, but it can also be detrimental to the team because they had to go to Carson. They felt the need to go to Carson Wentz and sort of massage him and say, uh, we're taking this quarterback in the fifth round. Don't worry. He's only a developmental guy that we're getting on day three. Don't don't worry about that. Not a concern to you. They felt the need to do that, which is just insanity to me. And I don't think that Sam Howell is going to be any sort of threat to Carson Wentz to take his job in training camp or something like that. But let's say he's able to beat out Taylor Heineke, for example, for the backup job. Carson Wentz gets hurt in a game. Sam Howell comes in. I think there's a legit chance Sam Howell can step in, boom, mid-game, play well. 
And then they all of a sudden they got like, depending on how Carson wants the season is going at that point, mm-hmm. and you know, we're getting into like ultra you know hypotheticals here. But depending on how his his season is going at that point, like there's a legit chance for a quarterback controversy in season. So you know, in a weird way, they made a good pick, but at the same time, like open themselves up to some level of controversy, ridiculous as that may be for a fifth round quarterback. At that point in the draft, why not take him? I don't have an issue with that, but I think he sucks. I remember watching him. Okay. Yeah, I remember watching him. I vividly remember being at my friend Alex's house. I went out to Michigan uh, to, to go out for his 30th birthday and being uh, in the basement watching North Carolina play. And I was like, okay, uh, this guy might be the number one overall pick or, you know, at least high up. And obviously, yeah. Eagles had uncertainty at quarterback. Let's let's get a look at this guy, and he just stunk. Yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't buy into this guy. Like, there are already some kind of red flags about him, uh, and I just, I just didn't see it at all. So, okay. you know, that's one game. Maybe I'm too harsh on it just because of that initial impression. But I just, I don't really buy it. I do think, I do agree at the same time though that like he was getting a little bit too uh, ragged on. And again, so I, I, taking him in the fifth round absolutely, absolutely is worth a shot, especially because when you don't have any kind of really great long-term plan, you just have Carson Wentz. Yeah. Heineke's going to be a free agent after this season anyway. So at the very least, you know, you're, you're drafting a guy who might be able to be a backup for you for years to come or whatever. So it's not like a disaster pick to me. I just, I don't really believe in him truly at all. So uh, it's fine. Like you said, uh, what would you give their draft as a whole? Uh, I don't remember. I think I gave him probably also a B minus, probably or like B B minus. I, I think yeah, it was C B-. plus. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was a B minus. Okay, so let's move on to the Dallas Football Cowboys, who <laughs> took Tyler Smith in the first round. A guy who had to have his legs broken. Did you see that on draft night? No, there was like this I whole thing. Seen that, no. Yeah, I think I mentioned this on multiple podcasts and no one saw it. I feel like it kind of slipped huh. through the cracks. Okay. He had to have his leg, like when he was younger, had to have them like broken a certain way to like fix them. Uh-huh. Like, which is already kind of like insane to hear like about your first round pick. Like that's one of the first things they're saying on the broadcast. Yeah, good so, for him for becoming the kind of athlete that he is. Yeah. But also like at the same time, like maybe that's something to file away <laughs> and kind of worry about right. down the road. Uh <laughs> You know, he's one of the youngest prospects in the draft. I believe only like 20 or just turned 21, whatever. Okay. Um, So I think there's potential for Tyler Smith. Not to say he's a total bust, but you can't convince me he was the best player. I mean, I know for a fact he wasn't the best player on their board. They had Lewis Seen, I believe it was, above him. Um, But even just from, I I just think, I think it was a reach. They wanted offensive linemen, Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green were both gone. And I know those players were lower on their board than Tyler Smith, but I, I think they wanted a guard. And those guys obviously project more as guard, like they have more experience rather at guard. I think Tyler Smith, there's thought that even though he played tackle, he might be better suited to kick into guard at the NFL level. Um, Tyron Smith, not Tyler Smith, very confusing here. I was talking about this with RJ, like how are they going to handle the back of the jersey things? Because they're both (laughs) T-Y-R, right? T-Y-L, they're both T-Y. So... I don't know. I full name on there. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like uh, who was the, the Eagles player that oh, it was Mike Patterson had his full name on, Mike on Patterson. the jersey. <laughs> I feel like they could have done a lot better. I would have been much more concerned again if they got Linderbaum because I, th- I thought that would have been a really good pick for them there mm-hmm. and a big upgrade at center. Um, but they didn't. 
And nothing they did in the draft was especially scary to me. They took that guy, Sam Williams, but he actually wants to be called D Williams, but not with a D-E-E and with a D-E only. Uh, credit to RJ for finding that out. They actually had him on their broadcast like right after I'm he got drafted. a lot on our podcast right now. Broken legs, D Williams. Yeah. Go ahead. Continue. Learning a lot. Uh, so I didn't hear what you said. So it took a moment for me to catch up and I was like, what did he say? Uh <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's fine. I don't think it's an amazing draft class. I think, to me, the draft class fits nicely in an offseason of just kind of underwhelming slash bad vibes for them, where yeah. it's not like it's not like everything's coming up Cowboys. Like, it may have a little bit in the past, at least offseason-wise, or some of the mm -hmm. drafts that they've had, like C.D. Lamb, you know, like for using that, for example. Um, right. So uh, I don't think this is one of their stronger drafts. Yeah, I think probably uh, circling back to your, um, you know, worst case scenario is what's like having a, a player that had no business falling to 24, falling to them. And I don't think that happened here. Like they've had their best drafts when that kind of thing has happened. CD Lamb right. being, you know, the, the best example, most, most best recent example anyway. Um, so Tyler Smith is interesting, is an interesting selection because. I mean, their their offensive line is falling apart. Let's just be honest about like what's happening there. They lost Connor Williams. They lost Lyle Collins. Um, you know, two starters along their offensive line. Tyron Smith and Zach Martin are both aging. Martin's play hasn't fallen off quite yet, but Smith missed five games in 2021. He missed 14 games in 2020. He missed three games each in 2019, 2018. 2017, 2016. That guy, even though he's like, you know, he's only a little bit over 30. He's another guy that got drafted really young. Like he was like, early like 20s, I think, when he got yeah. drafted. Um, he's been in the league a long time. So he's played a lot of football. And at, even though he's like sort of early 30s, to me, he's Jason Peters. Like he's late career Jason Peters, where you don't know how many games you're going to get out of him. And you almost have to anticipate that he's going to miss some games. Mm -hmm. So I think Tyler Smith is actually the long-term replacement for him at left tackle. In the short term, he can play left guard. I think a lot of people are projecting him to just slot right in at right tackle to take over for Lyle Collins. I don't see it that way. I think he's going to play left tackle and left guard. Mm -hmm. uh, left guard of the now and the left tackle uh, of the future. Got a mean streak. He's got some very fun highlights uh, playing at Tulsa. He had 16 penalties mm. in 2021. 16 at Tulsa. The Who Cowboys, are they playing? The Cowboys acknowledged this on their own Twitter account. <laughs> Who are they playing at Tulsa where he's got to hold 16? Oh, I'm sorry. 12 of them were for holding. Mm. But that's still a, a crazy. So Who are they like, playing where he's got to hold these guys? Yeah, correctable. Like he's lining you know, up the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> But it's funny, yeah, the Cowboys, I guess, felt like they needed to get out ahead of that somehow, and they tweeted about his 16 penalties. Really, all they did was just bring more attention to it. Uh, <laughs> Sam Williams was a player, like, on D the Williams. field. Oh, excuse me. D. Williams. Uh, on the field. Very intriguing. 12 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles in 2021. You're at a 4-4-6. At 261 pounds at the combine. So, like, this is a guy that's highly athletic, mm -hmm. definitely productive at Ole Miss. Very serious off-field concerns for him. If you want to Google him and, and look that up, be my guest. But a clear Cowboys pick where, in the, I mean, they just always take either injury guys or character concern players in the second round. 
And usually it doesn't work out for them. Like for as successful as they've been picking guys in the first round for the most part, they've had a lot of bad misses in the second round uh, taking, you know, either character or concern players or injury concern players. Third round, they got a guy like in Jalen Tolbert, uh, wide receiver from Southern Alabama. Of course, they lost uh, Amari Cooper this offseason. Um, so he's not going to replace Cooper, of course. They'll expect, you know, Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb to take over, um, you know, the lion's share of the targets uh, offensively to compensate for losing Amari Cooper. But they, you know, with those guys moving up, you got to sort of replace their previous production. And Tolbert can maybe do that as more of a deep threat. Um, but as you said, like this has not been a good off season, uh, for the Cowboys. They objectively got worse, mm-hmm. uh, as a football team this off season, losing, you know, guys like Cooper and, uh, who else did they lose here? So I mentioned, uh, Lyle Collins, I Collins Connor Williams, uh, Connor Williams, Cedric Wilson, Cedric Wilson was a nice under the radar player that they had. Randy Gregory, they lost Randy him Gregory. Uh, to the Broncos. So a lot of like key contributors that they lost, and and this is a draft where Can yeah I agree you? with you that they that like uh, Tyler Smith in the first round was a reach. I mean they needed to improve their offensive line, but uh, I'm I don't I don't know that I like the value of him at 24. Uh, Sam Williams or excuse me D Williams, uh, intriguing prospect uh, on the field. But again, again, they take another another swing on a major character concern. I like J- the Jake Ferguson pick in the fourth round. Matt Willetsko is a nice. Yeah. Um, by the way, so like I've seen uh, somebody like it said that Cowboys are you know really good at developing offensive linemen. BS. <laughs> so like since 2015, here are the guys they've drafted: Chaz Green, Lawrence Gibson, Connor Williams, Connor McGovern, uh, Tyler Biedish, Josh Ball. Matt Farniok, or Farniok, whatever, however you say his name. Only one of those guys is starting on this team right now, and that's Tyler Tyler Biedish. And in my opinion, he's a below average starter. So the idea yeah. that they uh, develop and groom offensive linemen uh, is false, in my opinion. Certainly, they've had a very good offensive line over the last you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years or whatever it's been. Uh, but in my opinion, it's been on the strength of two first-round picks uh, in uh, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, who have sort of carry the you know carry that offensive line really uh because they've been all pro players and uh, those guys are on their way down cowboys could have a bad offensive line in 2022 it's very possible that they do um and it's going to be a, a potential long rebuild for them so i get taking that guy uh in the first round but uh yeah again this is not a very strong draft for them in my opinion i gave I'm him a c plus. A, how about you yes yeah, c just straight c for cowboys um why not all right Jimmy, that's it for the NFC's drafts. We'll take another break here, and then we're going to go through some Eagles rookie minicamp takeaways. But not before we hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com, who I refer to as Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors whenever we're not even on the podcast, right? <laughs> that's you, right. You so call. if you need to buy or sell your home, call Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. As you're all aware, voted by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe. Uh, again, 856-906-9295, or go to roachrealtors.com. Brandon, back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 
Back here on BGN Radio, Brandon Lee Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky, in case you somehow forgot who was talking to you, with you, at you. Jimmy, Eagles rookie minicamp began on Friday, which is fun because we haven't really had that like formally and in the normal version since really before COVID uh, like this, at least in this more traditional format. So Eagles five picks in the 2022 NFL draft spoke. They had press conferences. We also got to see their jersey numbers, uh, the draft picks, and the 12 UDFAs that they officially signed, in addition to, I believe, 19 tryout players, including Deuce Staley's son is in there. I don't, I don't think a lot of people noticed that, or at least didn't see anyone tweet about that. Um, so there you go. Um, any first impressions to me? Well, we got to meet them all. Um, Personality-wise, I think they're all, I think they're all smart kids. Um, wow, what uh, a during- homer. <laughs> uh jordan davis definitely has a personality to him um that, that's hey, in the sixers I, game yes. tyler hero dunks points at him and apparently like i don't think i don't think they, they've i don't think they've shown this on tv or um uh like or on twitter or anything like that. but apparently like he stood up and was like cracking up laughing uh jordan <laughs> davis after tyler hero pointed at him uh this coming from a sixers reporter uh, who saw that at the game, um, Rich Hoffman it was. Uh, so anyway, uh, he then tweeted after the Sixers won uh, an emoji of a finger pointing <laughs> and said, what did it say, scoreboard, scoreboard. I think, or something like that. So uh, already pandering to the uh, to the local Sixers fans, which is always a strong move. Uh, Cam Jurgens was telling a story about how a tornado hit while they were watching the draft and how they all went into the bunker, uh, the basement, whatever, and uh, Grandma decided not to to go to the bunker with him, so um, he gets it. Like he, he understands humor, or whatever he can. You know, he's going to hold his own with the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kobe Dean, um, you know, I mean, you can see why. He, I mean, he was he was asked like, you know, who who do you compare again? I, like, I don't compare myself to to nobody. <laughs> like he's like like he he's the alpha and he knows it, and you can see it just uh, talking to him that like he's you know going to be a good leader uh, in the NFL. And, and as long as he's healthy, which seems to be checking out so far, we'll see. But if he's healthy, I mean, that, that guy's going to be a steal in the third round, of course. Um, not of course, but I think uh, Grant Calcaterra uh, seemed fine, comfortable. And uh, Kyron Johnson was, uh, is, is sort of, uh, uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's a fun player to talk to as well. So uh, they only made five picks as, as we've said repeatedly, but all, all these guys, um, I think there is a focus by the Eagles on finding players that quote unquote love ball. Mm. Uh, and these guys are all seemingly uh, pretty smart guys. So um, yeah, there seemed to be sort of a theme here with the five players they picked. Jordan Davis's personality was one of the points I used in favor when I was arguing why the Eagles should draft okay. him. I like that about him. I think he can be a leader for this team, especially, you know, with Fletcher Cox eventually being out the door. That'll be nice to have for that defensive line room. I think you will grow into that. I think everyone thinks of N'Kobe Dean as that guy. And I think he can be too as well. But I'm saying like, I think Davis is a little underrated in that regard. Um, so that's all fun and good. Uh, nothing too earth shattering. I did like how Cam Jurgens brought up how he was in California 
It's funny because like everyone was asking about the tornado, so he said he uh-huh. felt like a meteorologist. And then someone, <laughs> or it came up that he was in California and there was a tsunami warming, and he was like, "What the heck is that?" Because this is a guy <laughs> like, from the right. middle of the country. And he's like, "A tsunami? What the? What are we talking about here?" Uh, I thought that was funny. He's a funny delivery. Um, yeah, so these seem like personable guys. That's cool. Obviously, no one really cares if they can't play at all. Uh, so we'll see about that. But why don't we get to the jersey numbers, Jimmy? Because that's that's really important. And look, if, if, I want to if Joe if Joe Banner's listening, uh, log off. Does, does he get mad <laughs> we're about this? Talk about jer- we're going to talk about jersey numbers. What's that? Is this like a thing that he doesn't like? <laughs> he tweeted that like he was he was, he seemed he was seemingly upset that people care about jersey numbers. Of course, Again, people care about jersey numbers. There's a like, clip of. John Madden on uh, Letterman saying like, this is important stuff. Like the great John Madden. We'll say, <laughs> right. it's, it's all part of it. It's all fun. It's all, it's, and leave it to Joe Boehner to not be fun. I mean, back in the day when I played Madden and uh, you know, I was an Eagles fan back in the day, but like in my you know teens, twenties, whatever, I'd be playing Madden and I'd be waiting for the Jersey numbers to come out so that I could add them to my sure. franchise mode in Madden. Like it was a big day when the Jersey numbers came out. Uh, people well, care and, about that stuff. It and may if seem you buy stupid. a jersey, <laughs> it may seem stupid, but a lot of the things that we care about in sports are stupid. It's just supposed to be a distraction for us. And yeah. jersey numbers to discuss is fun. Let's just stop it. Like, let's have fun. It's sports. Let's not take it so seriously. So, so uh, I Jordan Davis this. ninety. Well, I want to preface okay, this by saying Ben Solak and I will be doing the official jersey okay. number analytics podcast where we go through the entire I'm roster. Not good enough that'll for be, you on that. That'll be it's coming okay. up. No, I'm just saying. But we can get okay. into some quick takes I'm not offended. here. <laughs> uh, you're not. It's fine. Uh, so, what do you think, Jimmy? 90's fine. Uh, 99 would be. Uh, I mean, he was 99 in college. I think 99 is a perfect number for him. But obviously, that's uh, retired. Uh, I would like to Brown. see 98 personally. But okay. Who ha- does biggest... Rennell Wren have 98? Did we yeah. discussed this already. I think, but not, biggest... I think 90's, 90, 90's fine. Biggest number for the biggest player should have been 98. Um, okay. Especially on defense. If double zero um, existed, that would be perfect for him too. They got to bring back zero. Like they're using zero in college these days still. I see like Nicole, or, Devin, uh, Lloyd. Or, um, Devin Lloyd was zero. I think Jelani Woods, right, was zero. Like they're using yes. zero in college. Like, come on, bring it back to the NFL. Uh, at least a single zero, if not. I like the double. But yes, okay. So Cam Jurgens 51. That's actually the number that uh, Landon Dickerson had in the offseason last year before he was able okay. to get. 69 didn't look right in that yeah um 51 to me is like a pure center number so this just tells me that Nick Sirianni is lying and he can't play guard and he can truly only play center (laughs) because 51 is like a pure I believe before they kind of loosened the jersey rules last year 51 could only be worn by centers and couldn't be worn by well uh, linebackers it could have been worn by two well I mean for offensive linemen it couldn't be guards I think it was like centers only um so there's that uh, classic center number and, he, and, he, and so he's already like an, uh, an undersized player as it is but yeah. looking at him at, in practice the 51 makes him look even smaller <laughs> like he does kind of look small in that 51 number Nicobe Dean is in his 17 that rhymes from yeah. uh, his playing days at Georgia which I think with that context I'm more okay with it since he had a lot of success in that number at Georgia and a vacuum I don't love a linebacker wearing 17. No? He's actually okay. not the first Eagles defender ever to wear number 17. That was Taft Reed, Jimmy, a defensive back in 1967. So there you go. So I liked Elliot Short Parks's take on what his number should be. He said he should be 3. 
which was mm-hmm. open, but also it could serve as like motivation. Like, how did I go in the third round? That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. So I'm going to own it. I'll be number three and I'll show all you bastards who passed over me. Also would have been good for like a branding thing where he could just use like the E's in his name and turn them into threes for yeah, like a logo okay. or whatever, you know, yeah. or like just even just Dean, like with the, you know, the D three, uh, a N missed opportunity by him. going to be a bust. So Reed, I agree. Reed Sinet vacates 17 and he's now 13. I think tough, tough off season for Reed Sinet. He had to give up <laughs> uh seven, which he got after the Joe Flacco trade and he joined the team last year. <laughs> And then Hassan Reddick came in, won a number right. seven. So he had to switch <laughs> to 17. And now with Jacoby Dean winning 17, uh, Reed Sinet, quarterback for the Eagles, if you didn't know, is number 13, which, by the way, a quarterback has never worn number 13 for the Eagles, at least mm, when I looked I at did not know uh, that. The, the pro football reference history tracker. Maybe there was like a camp body who wore it. But in terms of like making the pro football reference list, a quarterback but for the Eagles, it's never worn 13. So, And then they also go. signed the top two quarterbacks in undrafted free agency in uh, Carson Strong and EJ Perry. Our only Carson Strong sticks with the Eagles. But, right. yeah, I mean, he gets legit competition for his third, you know, his third straight yeah. quarterback job. <laughs> um, Kyron Johnson, number 58, like that for him a lot. Oh, great for him. Yes. Can, I mean, the stink of Gennard Avery, you're going to have to deal with that a little bit. But uh, Trent Cole, I, think of it that way. I, 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 that's who I always think of in that number. Even though Jordan Hicks did that number well for uh, mm-hmm. a, a good stretch there, but yes, as a edge rusher, I'm thinking of Trent Cole. Really good number for him. And then Grant Calcaterra gets number 47, which you noted that he wants to hopefully change. But I don't really hate 47 for an undersized tight end yeah, pass catcher. Okay. Like I thought for, that Trey looked- Burton. That looked good for Trey Burton. I didn't like when he switched to 88. Like 88 to me is more of like a big run blocking, like bulky tight end, like a Dallas Goddard, obviously. Yeah. Uh, whereas like a, a low end, like a, a 47 to me is more of a pass catching guy and not going to really be like a blocker. So I think that's actually fine for him. Yeah. Like a jack of all trades kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so I like that too. He he does not like it. He's, he's uh, I think, but it's, it's still crazy to me that uh, <laughs> they're holding 87. <laughs> Come on. It's like, been... We, Four seasons. We all like we all like Brent Selleck, but how is eighty seven like not available? But a Hall of Famer number in seventeen is still available and being passed around or, like crazy. Or like, like, seventeen was being worn by the third string quarterback that they picked off of waivers. <laughs> like, and they're still holding eighty seven. It's crazy. Or like Malcolm Jenkins, they gave it like one season off right away. And then they gave it to Zach McPherson, a fourth rounder. Um, yeah, it's silly. It does. I mean, obviously, Brent Selick still works for the team, so maybe that's part of it, but that's not a good reason. Uh, then what are they going to give away first, 86 or 87? <laughs> At this rate, maybe 86, honestly. Um, no, I think they like Ertz a lot. I think they'll give 87 before. Uh, I guess, I, wow, I didn't even think about that. I'll take, I'll take you up on that. Let's, let's, let's okay. put something on that. Uh, okay. What do you want to put on it? We'll think, we'll think about it. We'll, we'll, we'll Actually, if any listeners have any ideas on what we can put on uh, a Wawa wager, uh, hashtag uh, Jimmy Brandon eighty six eighty seven bet. <laughs> really that's nice too much. How about just hashtag eighty six eighty seven bet? Okay, I feel like that's going to be like some gambling thing or some, <laughs> some accidental gambling hashtag. But here are the uh, UDFA numbers, which I'll run through a little bit more quickly. Uh, Josh Job number 38, Carson Strong, number eight, 
I think we both or, would say Clayson, Clayton Thorson. Or Clayton Thorson, yeah. <laughs> Bad vibes. Mario Goodrich getting number 24 is like irresponsibly good number for a UDFA. <laughs> yes. Darius Lay was just wearing that a couple years ago. Uh, Kennedy Brooks gets number four. Oh, also with number 24, I wanted to highlight really quick. Not that the Eagles can't bring Jordan Howard back because they gave away his number, but usually in the past, they've held I, numbers for true. guys. They're going to resign shortly mm-hmm. after the draft. So that yep. they gave that out might be an indication they're, they're not going to resign Jordan Howard. Past examples are Corey Graham, ironically, Graham. also 24. Uh, I think Wiz, they Wiz. held for a while. They held, yep. they held 61 when it would have it been reasonable to give out that number. So yep. that's a good point. I didn't consider that, but I, I like that. I like that point. That's that's a deep dive number analysis there. It is. Well, this is why it matters. This is So <laughs> take that, Joe Banner. Uh, Kennedy Brooks gets 49. Oh, tough, tough one for yeah, running yeah, back. Uh, Noah Ellis. Snapper number. It is. Noah Ellis gets 61, whatever. It's generic defensive tackle, undrafted rookie free agent number. Reed Blankenship, 46. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Sills gets also 61. William Dunkel, 73. Uh, Britton Covey, 41. It's a little tough for him. That's tough for a receiver. Uh, it just doesn't look right. Uh, Ali Fayad gets number 59. Again, kind of irresponsibly good, good number. Yeah. Uh, although he's more of an edge and not a middle linebacker, like I think of with D'Amico Ryans. Mm-hmm. Josh Blackwell gets 39. It's fine. See, I think and, Seth Joyner on that. Okay. Well, yeah, you're older than I am. And then Jared Williams gets number 66. So there you go. So let's uh, actually, let's, let's keeping it with the undrafted free agents. Um, who are your top three guys to make the team? Yeah, I'm going to say Carson Strong just because, uh, you know, he's a quarterback and the Eagles like to invest in those guys. You may have heard mm-hmm. they are the QB factory. They would call themselves. And I think there's a good chance he can push for that number three role. I think they would be willing to keep three because they have been under Sirianni. So right. I'll put strong in there. Um, I will put Britton Covey in there in part because okay. I want to manifest this. He had some good return numbers at Utah. I think it's a guy who can kind of maybe do some things in the slot. I could see him having a, you know, a, a Nay Brown kind of training camp where, you know, he's like kind of carving up these, uh, young defensive backs in the slot. He's a little bit older too, for because he went in the mission. He's like 24, 25. So he might have mm-hmm. an advantage over some of the young guys he's working against and just kind of being crafty and really just a, a classic Patriots player here. How is Britton Covey not on the Patriots as the small <laughs> right. white guy in the slot? And you can also do some returning. Um, so I'll put him in there. And also got a shout out from Merrill Reese, which I thought was interesting. Merrill Reese was like, Anytime I was watching Utah, I love seeing Britton Covey. And I was like, Merrill Reese is watching Utah games? Uh, so I like that. And then, I mean, Josh Job is like the highest rated player. If you just go by uh, CBS mm-hmm. Sports rankings and elsewhere, there was thought he could be like a round four pick even. Yeah. So I guess I'll throw him in there just because there's so much opportunity for a cornerback to make the roster because there's not a lot settled at that position. So those will be my three guys. What about you? So Josh Job is interesting because heading into the season, he was potential day two pick, or at least that's kind of where he was being projected. He had a bad year, partly because he was injured. Uh, I believe it was a foot injury or ankle. I think it was a foot. Um, he didn't practice on mm. uh, on on Friday. So he was the only guy that I noticed anyway that was on the sidelines, not practicing, uh, was in uniform, you know, was with the team and whatever, but wasn't participating. So maybe that's partly also why he fell because he's still not fully healthy. Uh, I don't know. I got to dig a little bit on that. Um, 
there was some speculation that he could move to safety. Um, that's not happening. He's going to work out a corner for the Eagles. So, um, but I have him as, as one of my top three guys likely because he has talent. So um, w- once he gets into training camp, assuming he can play by then, uh, I think he's got the best. It is a crowded group though. So I don't know. Uh, Carson Strong, I'll agree with you on him. Uh, I think his, um, his you know path to the roster is to beat out Reed Sinet. Uh, spoiler, I don't have him, I don't have any undrafted free agents making my initial way too early 53 man roster projection, but guys get hurt and opportunities, um, open up and, and they could theoretically trade Minshew. I think, I think if I were to like put an over under on the number of undrafted free agents that make the team this year, I'd probably make it 2.5. Uh, I'd probably save that for our over under spot. Okay. We can do that. Um, and then my third guy is Reed Blankenship, who, uh, I mean, I'm biased here because I profiled him in each of the last <laughs> two years. So uh, uh, I guess in a dumb way, I'm rooting for him because uh, I profiled him two years in a row. So I may as well get something out of that. <laughs> he is was very productive at Middle Tennessee State. A uh, lot of uh, turnover production early in his career there. A lot of tackle production later in his career there but he's got good size he's got good enough speed and the eagle safety position obviously is not strong he is my sleeper to make the 2022 roster all right jimmy any final thoughts before we wrap up uh yeah you covered happy mother's day at the opening it's also my mother's birthday so in the same way that kids get screwed by having uh, a birthday near christmas my mom or my mom by on Christmas having, uh, uh, birthday and Mother's Day often lining up very close to each other. Uh, but yeah, so uh, happy birthday, mom, even though you're not listening to this. Um, <laughs> not as not as avid a listener as your mom, Brandon. Wow. Uh, happy Mother's Day, Mrs. Galton. Um, uh, but yeah, so just that's my final thought. It's happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, as you said. And I wholeheartedly agreed. Uh, the world is a better place with moms would be a much worse place without them. Yeah. We would cease to exist without moms, frankly, literally. If if so, if science has taught me anything, uh, happy mother's day. Once again, to all the moms out there, I really can't say it enough. Uh, I know my mom is amazing and I don't know, you know how maybe sometimes you say about like a friend or someone like, I don't know where I'd be in life without you. I literally mean that about my mom. I do not know. Like the, I don't want to go down a timeline, an alternate timeline where I didn't have my mom in my life because I don't know where I would be. Um, so I'm glad I'm here. And that is in no small part due to her. So love you, mom. Thank you for being the best. Uh, okay. Jimmy, this was BGN radio episode 247. You can, Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. But in addition to that, I always ask, too, that tell a friend about it because that's always a good way to kind of spread it out there. I'm sure you have some friends in your life who maybe don't listen to BGN Radio or or maybe they do and you don't even know it because you never talked about it. So why don't you find that out? Uh, that always helps as well. You can check out my work at BleedingGreenNation.com, Jimmy Kemsky's work at PhillyVoice.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. Jimmy Kemsky is on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. BGN underscore radio is the place to follow the podcast account. 
You can check out at Bleeding Green for the website account and at Bleeding Green Insta for the BGN Instagram. Plenty of coverage coming your way, even though uh, the Eagles are kind of somewhat of a lull here. I mean, the schedule, well, not really. Sorry. The schedule release, duh. The schedule release is coming out next week. We'll have so a pod we'll, immediately after that, too, hopefully, we, as well. well. We have coverage of that. Um, some of the games will be leaking throughout the week because the NFL is seemingly doing it different this year. So whatever. Uh, but we will find out exactly. We already know who the Eagles are playing, of course, but we'll find out exactly when and where, and that will be fun. Uh, it will be worth monitoring if the Eagles are playing on Christmas Day because there will be some Christmas Day games uh, mm-hmm. this year with Christmas being on a Sunday. I know you're probably not looking forward to that. Hoping Jimmy. not on that one. Yeah. That throws a wrench into my uh, parental uh duties and such it would be the second time since 2017 that the eagles played on christmas since they played the raiders on the monday night football game that year which was on christmas so so we'll see about all of that i mean maybe they'll play on thanksgiving instead also hopefully not selfishly um yeah not looking not not, not looking in, not 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 looking for that to happen this year either. yeah so well i'm speaking <laughs> it ever, now frankly reverse jinx it maybe yeah um so we'll see about all of that but we will have the coverage here for you and make sure you check out RighteousSelling.com, discount code BGN15, WildNaturePet.com, discount code BGN15. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you want to go to RoadTrailers.com or call or text this number. 856-906-9295. Keep bleeding green, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. P G N.